Welcome one and all to episode 12 of Required Reading, a film podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, my name is Alex and I'm joined here by Dan. Please say hello, Dan. Hello. How are you? I avoided a very obvious joke there. Uh, I'm very good. I was very good to be back. Right, very good to be it's back. 12. We've had a I little... thought we were on like at least 13, but no. we have had an extended hiatus, haven't we? We've had a little break and... Um, Giving us the chance to uh, reappraise, you know, how we feel about the podcast and whether you know the changes that we should make and all of the you know the growing that we should do. Mm. So mm. I think we just decided that it was good as it was. So just perfect, carry, some would say. Then just carry on doing it exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. The other reason could be that we were both incredibly busy no. and just didn't have no no no. no it was no. that one, wasn't it? Yes. We just we we, we, we took just, a period of reflection. We yeah, basically travelled to the top of a mountain, gla- glacial beauty, mm. and uh, sought out an old man uh, to ask him, you know, what what are we doing wrong with the podcast? Is there anything we can do? Because we think we're good, and is there anything that we can do to um, make it better? And he just silently looked at us and just shared us a, a single tear. And then um, faded away into blossom, and so we took that as a uh, as a meaning to we should just carry on. So here we are. The nineties sitcom character Blossom. I didn't expect that to happen. Well, who knows what can happen on top of a, a top a mountain? On top of a mountain. Um, so we're back. Those with, are very good drugs. We are back with a podcast about a movie called The Florida Project from twenty sixteen. We are gonna talk about the film we're going to talk who directed about. the film well directed by the same guy that did um tangerine not seen which is a movie that is a uh, very highly regarded filmed just on a um on an iphone on an iphone yeah so and there is a, a section in this uh in this movie um that is shot on an iphone as yes. well going right to the end yes it's the uh, the disneyland uh scene right at the end it's a very yeah very obvious shift I, I found and so i think that's his um his nod towards what happened with tangerine his name's sean baker right so hot right now um and um yeah so we we'll come on to him a little bit later on but um dan what uh, what did you think of the Florida Project. The Florida Project. The Florida Project was um, yes another of our, our favourite required reading genre. A slice of life. A slice of life. A slice of life. Yes. A look at a a part of um, America that I'm not particularly familiar with. This sort of almost ghettoised motel mm. setup. Um, on the on the highways leading up to to Disney World, yeah. So obviously a place that a lot of people with a fair amount of money go to mm. to to vacation and a holiday, and this yeah. is really showing you what the real people that live in that area and the the the, the trials and tribulations that these these people go through. Mm. Uh, focusing primarily on um a young girl, a six year old girl mm-hmm. called Mooney. Uh, and her mom, uh, Haley, um, and it's it's uh, it's quite a remarkable performance from both of them. Actually, mm. neither of whom cool. I recognised. There was a real sense of near documentary style to the film, mm-hmm. 
that often felt incredibly authentic were it not for the fact that the manager of their uh, motel was Willem Dafoe. <laughs> the, one of the scariest natural actors. Yeah. You know, his face is scary, so yeah. it kind of added this... Uh... Who weirdly I've met. Ah, yeah. Hey, was he a lov- lovely fellow? When he, it was when he did... Um... Very down to ass. He was very down to earth. <laughs> Just like us. Uh, what was it? Beyond Two Souls. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I hosted oh, um, a press conference uh, for them. Mm. So in this small room where all the press arrived, I was the guy kind of bringing out Ellen Page and Willem oh, Dafoe yeah. and people. And then I then hosted on stage at one of the oldest cinemas in Paris and did a Q and A with all of them and David Gage and all those folks. Amazing. Weirdly, yeah, it was, it was a lo- lovely guy, but clearly, you know, just wanted to go in, collect his paycheck, and then. Of course, swiftly leave. Yeah, uh, but I did also meet the the guy who did the voice of Captain Planet, which was arguably a more of a highlight. Well, yeah, that's way more of a highlight. That was awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. great. He played some minor character in the game, and then he did the voice for that's me. Absolutely and, uh, fantastic. That was my that was my nightmare. Anyway, I digress. Um, so weirdly, it's 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 a film that um, often feels very naturalistic, and mm. in some ways, I think benefits from having a wealth of unknown talent involved in it. Um, Willem Dafoe seems almost incongruous in his inclusion because of that, but that's not to detract from the quality of his performance in the film as well, where he's a very sort of hard-nosed, but ultimately quite soft and sympathetic character. It's it's an old trick, isn't it, for these slice-of-life films, especially if you're using non-actors like the the lead lead three, actually, even uh, as Scooty. Was a, yes. was a first time actor as well. Um, that you put somebody recognizable in playing against t- type or slightly uglifying themselves just to give you a grounding in the film. Mm. Otherwise, it's all sort of a little bit of a reach. So, um, Harmony Kareem does it quite a lot with Chloe Savigny. Yeah. Will like, have a whole strange part, you know, earlier on and then have her in it. It's, um, but the sort of natural strangeness of. Willem Dafoe just kind of still kept you off kilter in a way. Like he plays it really straight and warm, but he's so threatening in some of the scenes. He's amazing. The particular scene with the guy that comes into the park, the sexual um, predator. Well, we don't we don't know for sure, but very but, um, likely, but very likely, and just the way that he kind of turns and just the, the hard stare. You know, really, really cool. Like, I really like Willem Dafoe. He's like. Class, yeah. Like, Us- using his um, natural intimidation uh, against type, though, as well, to do it in a very sort of protective, defensive way for you know for for these vulnerable these vulnerable kids. Well, he's almost the main character, isn't he? Because we almost. see quite a lot through his sort of prism of understanding. Yes. So the fact that he's got a job to do, the fact that you know he's turning a blind eye to some things, and he's you know giving leeway the other, you know. He himself is flawed, you know, his relationship with his son seems a little strained, you know, he's barely keeping the, the building together. It's um you know, it's 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 really quite something and, and, and he does a lot of heavy lifting and he was um Oscar nommed. Yes. Of course for it didn't win, but I think it was um he was quite brave to um yeah. to have him in that list. I think it's worthy. I am uh, I w- I made use of the old um... <laughs> I made use of the uh, Amazon X-ray function at one point. I think right. I had to watch a portion of it on the go, and um, it said that he'd actually lived in that motel yeah. for a week prior to filming. It sort of immerse himself into it and get some of the 
the, the sort of Florida twang mm. to to his voice, um, and that you know these are these are real places and there's real occupants and a lot of them appear in the film just sort of yeah. wandering around. You know, they're, they're, this is a it's a, it's a it's a crazy place and it has that very uh, very Floridian thing of trying to dress up you know a, a fairly ugly and bleak location mm. and make it seem like it's something fantastical you know you, you you kind of think that in years gone by it may have been used as a um a vacation spot for those who couldn't quite afford to stay within Disney World itself yeah. so they've all got names yeah, yeah yeah you know that are quite fantastical it's like oh what's the one called that they're all it was Futureland Fu- Futureland that's yeah. it like so her best friend lives over in Futureland yeah. and you know and they're, and they're surrounded by these Disney surplus stores yeah. for you know out of season items and things like that so it's all these kids who live within uh, you know, grasp of Disney World, but never really being able to. Well, you, you imagine it's a little bit like um, like a mining town, whereas Disney maybe once upon a time didn't have as many hotels, so these filled in the the jobs, yes, the overflow. But eventually, Disney built more hotels, so they became kind of left them, Yeah, it kind of left them out in the in the in the lurch, and yeah. like say like licensing those stores were really big once upon a time before Disney got their head around licensing. Yeah, but now they're totally like, this is all in house. We're doing everything, you know, and so they're left without as many of the visitors because they just designed it to keep them within Disneyland. Yeah. And apparently, actually, the um the uh Florida pro- the Florida project was the name for the working title for the yeah, yeah. World, isn't it? Yeah, which is uh, quite interesting. Yeah, definitely makes right. sense. But I, yeah, I kind of like the double meaning when it felt almost like the Florida project. Yeah, the double double meaning. The double great. meaning of of that uh, was 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 yeah was pretty evident. Um, Florida's a, just a bizarre place. Mm. It's a really left field place, and it does a great job of highlighting that. It it often shows you these stores that they're surrounded by so you've got obviously the disney places and restaurants and then it'll just flash up with this like machine gun warehouse with all these you know digital signs mm. going oh yeah we'll, yeah we'll give you lessons in concealed carry and things like this and you just it, 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 in many ways it is the director going i mean look how fucks america is. yeah so look at it just look at it and and it and it does it with a very sort of dispassionate objective eye it just shows you it and it in the same way that it doesn't really cast judgment on 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 any of the characters it doesn't do that with the with the environment either it just shows it as it as it as it is which is this sort of rotting wasteland in many ways well i feel it does put it through an instagram filter so obviously the idea of the sort of blue sky, the pink of the of the hotel, and just the type of film that he used, it really made it look like a sort of Instagram style look at it, where you know ugly stuff can still be beautiful, can be amazing to look at. Which is very much a child's eye perspective of of that type of world yeah. as well. Um, it's 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 kind of what your parents make it, or what you what you make of it. Um, no, absolutely. And, you know, and a lot of it is geared around how Mooney and her friends make something out of nothing that they, they are, they've either got their, their cramped motel room and a TV, or they can just go out and explore. And this, the, 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 the sort of assumed sexual predator scene aside. Yeah. Um, all right. And I guess the, the burning down of the, mm-hmm, dilapidated 
yeah. buildings. Um, there's always an overriding sense of, of jeopardy to everything they do because of how far they run from their homes and they just end out in the middle of nowhere where anything could happen. But well, I, they kept, never... I kept thinking the guy was going to jump out again. Again, yeah, or someone... something. Or a car was going to go out and hit them, but it, it never played that hand. It, it was... It was really pandering to the the adult audience, going, "Oh my god, I can't, I can't believe the kids are doing that." But at the same time, what it did evoke was my own childhood, yeah, and that I lived in, um, you know, I lived in a block of flats very briefly in Wolverhampton, and I lived in a very sort of run down, rough area, and yeah, me and my friends at that age would just go and cross the road and run over to a park and be way out of my mom's yeah. you know vision in in a place where anything could mm. could happen mm-hmm. and did happen not yeah. to me but you know it it was that sort of it was that sort of place and so I, I found it very evocative in that sense because you are still ignorant of risk because at the age of 6 adults around you if they care are very protective of uh, the sort, the sort of the, the horrors of of, mm. of being a grown up, and so that's really what Mooney's existence is. She knows that her mom goes through hardships, but she's still very much protected by it. Haley, Haley is um, a loving mother, but in a very clearly from a broken home, mm. ill-educated, you know, left home with an attitude, yeah. like a teenager's attitude, and that's never really left her. Mm-hmm. Um, but still fundamentally loves her daughter a great deal and everything she does and all the hardships she goes through are, are really with a, a, a view to making sure that she's okay and that she mm. has a, a roof over her head and, and something to eat. Yeah. Um, dysfunctional, but... Dysfunctional, but ultimately very, very caring. Yeah. And that, that makes the, the conclusion of the film all the more heartrending because you know that... Uh, even though she breaks the rules and even though she puts up a front, um, you know, in, in the face of authority, which is very telling, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very much her and Mooney against the world is mm. her mentality. And so them being broken up as a unit is, you know, a, a world ending idea to, to both of them. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to take us to a review to start with. Mm. We have, so we've both been quite positive, mm-hmm. but there could be a cloud on the horizon. Uh-oh. Uh, from uh, Austin Buckridge. Uh, wanted to like it, didn't. I think it underlines one of the problems of these slice of life films, being that it was more, that, being that it was little more than just a snapshot of something and there was no narrative. I don't think any film can get away not having a strong narrative. All very boyhood. Uh, I strongly disagree that it didn't have a narrative. Um, I think it's definitely a it is definitely a slice of life it's film. It's a slice and of life, but I still happen. think there is you know there there is a story mm. to be told there. There's a story of a of a mother turning you know to stripping to turning tricks yeah. to. Um, you know, unsolicited dealing, you know, dealing, you know, any 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 means necessary to earn earn cash mm. for her and her daughter, uh, and ultimately falling foul of 
of the authorities, but in a way that's very unsympathetic to the reason why she did it all. It's more that they judge her on her actions, yeah. but not the reason for her actions, and they sort of deem her an irresponsible mother um, because she had to break the law to to make money. Yeah without acknowledging that there really is no alternative for her. And, I, I, you know, people will say, oh, well, she should get an education, etc. But it's it's evident from everything about her that she's from a, a, a home where she was never taught those values and therefore never really passed those values on to, to her daughter either. Yeah. So you as a, um, I guess, a if you divorce yourself emotionally from her actions then you go, well, that's terrible parenting. And it's, of course, she should be taken away by social services and rehomed and put with a, you know, with a loving family. But mm. she, I don't think it was ever in question that she wasn't already with a loving family. It's just the circumstances that allowed her to be loved were less than ideal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I wonder, I wonder what I would have thought of the film before I was a parent. Like you're, you know, Vic found some of the parts quite distressing um, about the kid crying and sort of seeing, you know, kids crying and in distress and it just naturally brings out a protective sort of yeah. side, side to you. So that's something that you wouldn't necessarily have if, if you didn't if you didn't have kids. I mean, it didn't affect me as, as, as much in that way, but it did definitely make me think she could be doing more for her. She could be maybe reining her in a little bit or trying to... She doesn't really show any kind no. of um any kind of, sort of properness she, or she's more sister than mother in many exactly. ways exactly yeah 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 and there's you know obviously these all are as you say results of external factors and it was um you know it makes you sort of question your own sort of prejudice as well of like what it is that you know has got them there and just also you know there's natural philosophical things that you have of like this is just a story of like one of those rooms you know there's 20 rooms on that floor and yeah. there's you know five floors and just every one of them is going to have you know some kind of story and this is just one of them yeah you know and i do understand what austin's saying but it you know i i, I really like that you know it was a lot of it was set in that one room and then outside and i think because it foregoes a three-act structure it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have a narrative i think there's certainly a a thread that runs fairly consistently through it um, um have you seen um i daniel blake no um it's very good um the underlying theme of that is obviously sort of social you know in a similar way social sort of mobility and the you know class system and mm-hmm. being forgotten and this this really does feel like it has that element to it you know or you know like a kind of ken loach sort of harshness to to it and but using the the prism of the beauty of Florida. It's something that um, Spring Breakers does as well, and there's um, there is some real echoes of Harmony Korine in this in this movie. It feels like um, that Sean really likes likes that, but you know, it's obviously trying to maybe trying to make it a little more sort of commercially, you know, accessible to all. You know, whereas Harmony Korine is a little more abrasive in that. In, yeah, in a that bit regard. more sort of hyper stylized. Yeah, and... yeah, and and. You know, th- this brought that that to mind for me. Um, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed the film. It's, but it's, how can I say this? Um, 
it's like you know a horror like some people can look at a horror film and go why would you watch a style of film that ultimately is to make you uncomfortable mm. why are you using your free time to basically to participate in something that is if it is successful making you frightened and mm. uncomfortable and the answer to that is you know I mean, what's your answer to that why do you you know because i think it's a fundamental element of being human that you want to push emotional buttons whether they be positive or negative and i think if you avoid negative sensations then uh i think it makes you quite a naive human being hmm. yeah i mean i I, t- I, t- I totally agree but i also mean that it's you know that idea of dealing with death or poverty or those kind of things mm. things that are depressing kind of is kind of life affirming for me like i think oh well you know thank god you know my you know life is good and i you know have a good job and i have you know those things it's there but for the grace of god though is is there's a certain schadenfreude (coughs) schadenfreude element to that though which is oh thank god that's not me which is the um what's the adam curtis thing oh dearism oh yeah yeah just that looking at looking at misfortune and things are going oh dear and becoming you know completely immune to it in a, in a sense because you, you're you're so frequently exposed to, to other people's tragedies and never I, I, really encounter yourself exactly what i mean i just I know, mean, I, I just mean kind of you know that like listening to radiohead if you coldly listen to tom york singing <laughs> it sounds very drone-like and you know quite depressive but i actually found his voice incredibly uplifting and just because when you're looking at the being you automatically thinking of the yang like in a way because of yeah. the opposite of it you know and but that's me, what i mean i think you have to you have to bear witness to conflicting emotions in order to appreciate what positive emotions are to go this is the this is the other side of it this is this is grief and this is sadness therefore it amplifies joy because you're aware of what that yang is when you experience the yang you go okay so the yin is great I love this. I love it. I love the good times. Yeah. Because some people live in bubbles of perceived happiness. Yeah. Um, or believe that all they have to be is happy. Uh, and I find that's often at the expense of um, reality. Mm, being realistic. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, so... Um, <coughs> really starting to remind me now it's all right you're timing them well hmm so um talking of positives talking of something that uh turns that idea on its head about this film maybe being too depressing the uh child actor who plays scooty yeah who was uh discovered during uh, location scouting he didn't live in the exact place but he lived in some... him scouty uh, very good um <laughs> thank you for derailing me um <laughs> So, and apparently his family earned enough money from the film to move away from the um, motel they were living in. And um, he now has a college tuition uh, to study acting. So the movie, in a very real sense, has changed, you know, somebody's life in in the film. So I think that's, uh, I quite like that. I found found his response to burning down the dilapidated houses to be such an authentic portrayal of how children deal with performing something terrible, both yeah. in the moment and then dealing with the aftermath emotionally. 
the way he just arrives back goes back and is just silent and just lies yeah. there and just wants his mom it was all it was all the mother needed to know wasn't it yeah and so yeah it was um that was done really well it was really really understated bit of performing but yeah um going back to um to to brooklyn prince who played mooney she she was exceptional she's you know some people have just got natural sass mm. and she has got natural sass yeah her some of her the amount of sort of improvised acting that she was i mean it had to have been they must have put her in situations just gone do something and it was just it just flowed from her there's there's a brilliant scene where the camera stays and a really shallow um depth of field as she's eating breakfast in this yeah. uh like hotel that that her mom's clearly like blagged her way into. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm gonna eat a strawberry and a raspberry at the same time." And she's yeah. like, "Well, that was disgusting." And you know, just and they and they just keep cutting to her having all these different reactions to what she's doing and mm. eating. And they I, they must have just let the camera roll on her and let her let her, just let her rip. You know, gave her vague directions again. Okay, right now, your mom's been taken away. How would you respond to that? Yeah. Or you know, I, I just I've just found she was amazing. It reminded me of that. There's a Facebook video of a girl, a similar girl, doing something like around the house and saying stuff that's really like, like an adult. Like yeah. She's a, I don't know whether you you'll know who I mean. It's like a real kind of almost mum's net style right. thing, and just but like it, but it crossed over and it was really funny. The sort of like the the stuff that kids say. Yeah. And it kind of got shared quite a lot, and it had a section of of that to it. I thought, and it. Again, that idea of using um, like Instagram as it's something that people look at all the time, so you can as a reference point. I thought it had some of that kind of mm. memification, and like it had it had some of that to it um, to sort of help you get along with the character. Because I mean, in the cold light of day, she's actually like a bit of a little bitch. Oh no, she's like, massively obnoxious, you know. and I think with the wrong actress hmm. she would have just grated for the yeah. entire film you know any little girl boy actress who you know comes across as precocious hmm. and obnoxious you're just like oh god i hate it but it was done with such naturalism again that it didn't feel like a stagey you know stage trained yeah. kid being told to be obnoxious or being told to be precocious, it just seemed to flow naturally from her, and you 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 saw a lot of that in her performance, and I you know you tended to admire it rather than you you were like, well, if I was a parent in that block or I was Willem Dafoe, I'd just mm. be like, Jesus Christ, like what a, what a mm. fucking handful. But um, to watch, it was just really entertaining. Um, it's something I, I, I'm not sure whether to bring up as much. It, it won't be as relevant to some people. But um, the the Predator, the movie that's that's out right now, has a child actor um, written by the um, by the chap that was in the Shane uh, Black. Shane Black, and is this guy is known for having kid characters, and there have been great child characters in his films, and. I mean, I won't spoil it, but this 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 kid character doesn't land as well right. for a particular reason because of, of of motivation. I don't want to spoil it because a lot of people won't have seen it. But a Florida, uh, the Florida Project is a real example of how to do that well, um, and it's really naturalistic. And you only need to spend a little bit of time with her to really get on board and understand what's going on. I mean, you can draw your own 
before you even meet the mother, you are drawing your own sort of reasons as yeah, to why yeah, she yeah. could be the way she is, you know, could be the parents, you know. Yeah. And um, it's such an interesting, like, cause that was the last film I saw before this right. before this one. And I was really looking forward to having a um, um, sort of uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, bit of dialogue or like Iron Man 3. I really like the kid that he, he wrote in Iron Man 3. I thought it was quite funny. Um but this really, really works, and you know, as you say, I wonder how much of it is written, how much was given to yeah. her, and it's it's quite amazing. It's, yeah, it's 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 not a performance that's been observed or affected. You know, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of herself in it because there's there's that awkwardness within it as well of the of the trying to act older and trying to be you know clearly influenced by the behavior. <coughs> Clearly influenced by the behaviour uh, of of her mother, mm. but done with the sort of lack of grace of a of a, of a classic six year old. So there's there's always something quite comedic about kids saying or trying to do grown up things, yeah, and not necessarily understanding the the full context yeah, and the motivation yeah. behind it. That's always comical. My my daughter says things already that make me laugh so much because they're they're parroted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're only turns of phrase. They're only yeah. turns of phrase that they've said because they've heard them without necessarily understanding mm. the the meaning or the reasoning for saying them. Um, so I thought now would be a good time to uh, take a little mini pause and have another review. This time from a regular contributor, James Patrice. Patrice uh, says the Florida Project is the Goonies for the have-nots. Equal measures uplifting and upsetting, funny and desperately sad. Some outstanding performances from Defoe, Mooney's mom, Bria Venate, and the youngster Mooney herself, Brooklyn Prince. More layers than a French pastry. My wife and I really enjoyed it right up until the last 20 seconds. We understood what the filmmaker tried to do, but it felt like a poorly executed and unnecessary finale to a truly excellent film. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Um, I think the last twenty seconds is is in there for the um, the nod to uh, Tangerine and having you know if you've you've your follow up your breakthrough you follow up uh, sorry your breakthrough was done on an iPhone your follow up is on thirty five millimeter you've got the money you, you you need some way of having a having it shoehorned in there mm. and a problem with the slice of life films very often is. What do you do to finish it? You know, what is, what is the final part to it? Yeah. Um, you know, we'd already had the harshness of that she was being taken away from the mum and, and we're obviously not massively happy about that fact. Um, and I just thought it was quite an interesting because obviously it was done without Disney knowing about it. There's no real way you're going to be able to film no. for this movie and go in there with a full production. I think I think there's two reasons for the switch as well. In classic, like this is why we can't have nice things. Someone's like factual inaccuracy. The the walk to Disney World would be at least five miles, and then they'd have huh, to get on the funny monorail. Funny how they don't have a section where they were at the turnstile, and then they'd have to get on the monorail, and then they'd have to somehow get through security to get on site. <laughs> what a gross error! You know, fuck off. It was just I think it was just a little bit potentially of um of magical realism towards the end of just a. Uh, that that Magic Kingdom has always been on their doorstep, and it yeah. was just a final uh, huzzah for them both. You know, as far as we know, they were just running through the grass 
or something. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And it uh, and it felt to me almost that the switch to the iPhone at that point was a shift in reality as well. That was my initial interpretation of it. That you you know they they did shoot it as they did in Disney World to be able to do it, but it felt to me that like that was that it, it was the perfect last hazard for them both to have lived in the shadow of Sleeping Beauty's castle. And that their their fleeting friendship should culminate with a with a trip to it. Yeah, you know. So I I found it quite a nice poetic end to a film that couldn't really have an end because mm. that's as you say with all slice of life films, the life goes on. Yeah, yeah. You you can't you, you know without having someone like die, which is yeah. Pretty... The 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 real the real ending is she gets taken away by the authorities and there's a very long winded and laborious process for her to be reunited with her mother if she ever is. If she ever is, yeah, yeah, definitely. Nobody wants to see that. This yeah. this whole film is how a child has made the best of a, a fairly shitty situation throughout, and why why shouldn't it culminate with a with a a moment of happiness for her and her friend who are probably never going to see each other again? He mentions, well, funnily enough, that it's another Amazon film without subtitles, and I'm, there's this ongoing thing now of films that Amazon themselves put out on right. Amazon Prime that don't have subtitles. And this is quite a mumblecorey film yeah, in its sure. execution as well. And there's 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 a lot that I missed, even watching on a phone, on a train with headphones in at maximum volume. Right. Uh, you know, s- some nuance of what was being said occasionally was completely lost on me. And I just think I think it's a really bizarre decision that of all the films that Amazon forget to put subtitles on, it's their own. Sort your shit out, Amazon. It's not hard. It's going to be on the Blu-ray, isn't it? I'm sure. Um, Bezos is. Listening to this right now, so oh, better better be motherfucker. Get it done, Jeff. Um, what did Helen think of it? Helen did not watch it. Ah. I watched it in fits and starts um, over the course of a few days. To be honest, I was just yeah. finding it when I could. Against so the rules, against the rules. I, but I, as as uh, recent events, but as recent events necessitate, I just had to. Oh, we'll let you off. Watch it when I could. Um, yeah, as I say, Vic saw it. She thought that the um, I'm the, in breach of the manifesto. You're in breach of the manifesto. Cuff me okay, now. Yeah, you um, you got a yellow Frog card. Frog march there, me out of the premises. Um, yeah, Vic just you know found some of it, but she went through a really interesting journey actually, because I've already explained on this one about how um, we watched uh, Manchester by the Sea and she really didn't like it. Right, um, and it was like you know like way way too too like sad and oh yeah she was angry at you for making her watch it wasn't she yeah kind of (laughs) um and uh not using this as a a megaphone for uh airing my grievance airing your dirty laundry on a podcast Uh, um but um suffice to say we're in separate beds now (laughs) and um (laughs) uh i i do totally understand where she's coming from but i i think that Definitely, we actually spoke about it this morning. I think she was definitely in a different place. You know, you're you're looking through that frame into a into another life, into another section. You know, sometimes those they are comedic, and sometimes they are um, quite real. And this one is just, you know, it is tough to watch. You know, it is tough, but you know, these things are, you know, are happening, and these 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 people's lives. It's just interesting to watch. I just found it so interesting. You know, I wouldn't say that I love the film. No. I don't think I'm going to like, I don't think I'm going to rush out to watch it again. I feel like I got, I got what it was, it was trying to say. I don't think it was designed to be anyone's particularly favorite film. Um, But yeah, it was very interesting. you feel enriched for having watched it. Yeah, definitely. I I really felt that it was really interesting to see the the kind of journey that she went on. Um, 
because you know, as, as I say, there were some really visceral moments when she was crying right at the end. It really, oh yeah, it, it seemed to be it was quite intense. And you, know, you obviously, you know, identify oh, the proper with that. ugly kid cry. Wasn't yeah, it? really, yeah. really well done. But then, you know, as I say, the stuff about Scooty, you know, now it changing his life, the idea of thinking about it in in this in the context of yeah, like a Ken Loach style, like those films are really, really depressing and really like, difficult to watch. Obviously, with their yeah, a catalyst for social awareness and potential change. Mm. Potentially, probably not, because America. But I think anything that raises awareness of poverty within one's own country, because so often people tend to perceive poverty as being a problem that other nations mm. have. Yeah, It's not something people don't live hand-to-mouth in England and America. How could they? Land of the free. Yeah. Capitalism. Hurrah. Everyone's wealthy and happy. Yeah. It's like, no. It's pe- yeah. people live in, in their, their their towers and believe everything's okay. And, you know, in the case of Disney, literally living in towers and yeah. staying in a magical kingdom divorced from reality when harsh reality is literally on the doorstep of the most magical place on earth. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's- you know, uh, you know, it, it, without without really showing Disney World, it also highlights the artifice <coughs> and the facade of mm. places like that, selling you, selling you a a, a dream that, that that doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I really got the idea that it was a just outside starting like a favela next to a massive like high rise or yeah. uh, you know something like a um where a lot of the like cleaners might live or where you know it's only like a step away from it's like a half halfway house or whatever your you know your definition of it is that these people are you know a bad decision and a you know a bounce check away from you know being in real trouble yeah where Willem Dafoe did such a great job in being so empathetic you feel that that weighed on him, and you, you saw that in his in his performance, where he was like, "Look, I am trying to see these people for the good that they can do, and the good that they sort of you know can sort of show to each other." Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you had you saw the owner being shown around every now and then, and the owner's obviously not interacting with any of the guests that live in his. And and you know, it just has deeply impractical suggestions. Yeah. I like don't put your bicycles out on the. Yeah, 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 and put them in the right at the back, and all this, and but he has some skewed view of what the place actually is. Oh yeah, he's just yeah. there for the money, and he he flies through occasionally, mm. decrees a bunch of stuff that Willem Dafoe then has to action. Yeah, um, and then fucks off again. Yeah, he's yeah. not the, he's not the guy that has to live it day to day and and witness the the kind of soap opera that's unraveling around mm. him on a daily basis. Yeah, the you know the layer cake sort of style you know idea to it that you know these people and Willem Dafoe is only really himself like just one tiny step above it you know with you know he lives there and he's dealing with all these things and you know they're looking to him like the um when the power goes out you can sort of see how everyone talks to him and you know his informality with everyone just you yeah, know yeah, it, yeah. Just, it was really real and you can you can see some of that method there and in, in, in the way that he did it and I think well, I, I kind of, you know, get the feeling through his performance that, you know, it was kind of important for him, you know, to sort of show that, show that sort of level of um, humanity. Yeah, humanity. And it, as I say, it's funny that he was there to bring the, you know, the, the, the star quality to the movie. You know, that's 
one of the tools of these films, but he actually brought a real a, a real element to it, mm. and um, you know that's why I you know I kind of liked him so much. Um, there's a very brief cameo from Macon Blair, ah, um, who Jeremy Solnier fans will know from uh, Blue Ruin and mm. Green Room. He's a collaborator. Uh, not just as an actor, but also as a writer, I believe. They've also um, co-written uh, Hold the Dark, his new film, ah, his new Netflix-exclusive right. film as well. Uh, he shows up as the guy who um, was one of one of Haley's clients who had his uh, Disney World band stolen. Oh, had his stolen. thing stolen. I thought yeah. I recognised him. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was like, that's a, well, we, just a weird little cameo. Like, I don't know how he got involved or, mm. you know, or why. But yeah, it was just interesting in a sea of in a sea of uh, unfamiliar faces to have another one pop up. I do forget the name of the chap um, who was also in Three Billboards, who played Willem Dafoe's son. Um, oh yes, I saw something about him. Caleb only... Caleb Landry Jones. Right. Um, he's always good value. Has a brief has a has, has a brief moment. His his real purpose is to show, you know, that Willem Dafoe is just as flawed as everyone else, and what. Even though he has to bear the brunt of everyone's mm. abuse and seems like a fairly straightforward guy, he's clearly had a very um, unpleasant breakup. Yeah, with the with the mother. Yeah, uh, and his son makes a point of saying, "Look, I'm not here for the money. I'm clearly here just to see you. Yeah, I go out of my way to be here and see you, but yeah, you just don't get it." Yeah, the scene was amazing. Moving that fridge, you really it's like, "Oh man, stop doing that." It was done. Sound design yeah. was done really well, and he tries to remain unflappable, but he just stands there and he's like, "Are you going to push the button?" Yeah, which is that silent. It's like, ah, oh, it's actually been a bit of a gut punch to him. Yeah. And he's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 actually... trying to play it cool, but yeah, he's 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 uh, he's gutted. Right, so I'm going to go to uh, Chris's review. Chris Schilling, um, uh, thank you very much, uh, one and all, for for your reviews. Uh, but um, I have to be honest. I didn't really get on with it as much as other as most other critics did. I'm certainly not against the plot light slice of life approach to filmmaking. I enjoyed the director's previous film Tangerine, but I found it a little bit too loose and rambling in places. And though I sympathise with her predicament, Haley was so aggressively hostile to everyone, <laughs> even if you sort of understood why. That's why I ended up caring more about Willem Dafoe's Bobby a shining beacon of decency and model of patience and understanding, and an award-worthy performance for that matter. I love the ending too, a sudden sugar rush of hope clearly designed to reflect Mooney's childlike optimism and a rare moment of light in an otherwise tough, bleak film. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah, Haley's a, a very tough woman to to love. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and I think... Sometimes it's very hard to watch a self-destructive personality mm. unravel on screen, save for the the knowledge that there are genuinely people out there who feel like they are not necessarily beyond redemption, but beyond saving. That they're just they're just so headstrong and so determined to do things their way that they can't even see when people are being helpful, and they have to be abusive even when someone's just done you a favor out of the kindness of their own heart mm. um and i, I you know I, th- I think we've all met and interacted with people like that who are just frustrating human beings who you're, you're sort of drawn to but ultimately repelled from because mm. you think there's something underneath it all that will 
I guess ultimately endear them to you mm. that they're, they're they're hiding something, uh, but sometimes people's outer shells are so reinforced that there's just no getting through them, and there ne- there never will be. Um, and you know, even in the face of losing her daughter, rather than realizing, shit, I've got yeah. I've got to act like a normal, rational human being just for ten minutes. Mm. She can't even contain herself that long and doesn't and is too too naive ultimately and too juvenile emotionally to to realize that everything she's doing is actually pushing her further and further away um yeah so it's um it's was uh bria bria vignate yeah lithuanian born i believe lithuanian born and i've got to say i was really really big fan of her in the movie yeah yeah i thought she just really held everything together really iconic look um she was discovered via um instagram instagram yeah um so i and again that kind of ties into my idea that it uses the idea of instagram as a as just as a kind of reference point as a cultural point for me um i i thought it before i even knew that about her it kind of really reminded me of a of a filter quite a lot of the film um i thought she was so compelling to watch and again as as you say just e- echoing a point you made earlier she's so abhorrent in the way that she's talking to people and you know really frustrating and you kind of want to help her and punch her and just watch her and <clears throat> like hug her and do all these kind of give her money to go and buy a bra you know all these kind of you know things that just you, you, you're just so invested in her already and the counterpoint of the kid and how the how they interplay with each other and those little parts and bits where she's pretending to tell her off when people are at the door yeah i just really really love those you know that those are bits i really identify with 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 my kids mm-hmm. you know the idea of that that interconnectivity that you have that just no one else can duplicate no one else can know that level of humor even with a young six-year-old because emma is six so and and the kid in this is supposed to be six it's supposed to be the same age so i really loved some of the the similarities obviously very happy that there weren't that many similarities (laughs) i really really loved some of that some of the interplay between the two of them and I thought that was done really well and it really reminded me of of just that complete informality complete trust in each other mm. and trust that you'll love each other forever so you can kind of really be kind of moody and funny and cheeky and I you know I really thought that she played that really well and that was obviously quite a lot to do to do with her obviously yeah, the yeah, kid, yeah. kid brought a lot but I thought that the um I thought that the um the mum uh, did did a great job. Yeah, the and, dynamic be- between them was brilliant. It felt mm. really natural. Yeah, and and just the we saw earlier on, it did the Blair Witch thing of slipping something in, like the idea of being a prostitute is not okay in this in this block of buildings. Like he'll get rid of someone like that. You see, you see, you know, sees it one day and gets rid of it the next. And then when he's starting to suspect it about her, he gives her a bit of bandwidth and helps her out with the um with the guy who knocks on her door and yeah. so you can see that he's got a soft spot for her and 
then right at the end, she just throws it back at him. She's like, "Oh, at least you're good. You're finally good for something." Yeah, like just completely throws it away, throws it right back in his face. When you know he he could have had like a ray of connection with her or some kind of you know. And that's what like- I mean. There's like there's a hor- there's a really abhorrent sense of entitlement within everything she does as well. Like she's somehow owed. But she did. But she did that to get out of explaining herself. Yeah. I really like that. You know, that is a defense mechanism, isn't it? That oh, 100%. I just, you know, felt so much for Willem Dafoe in that moment where you, you would have felt that he's like, look, you know what happens to other people that I find out this much about, I get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And you, all I want is some kind of crumb of recognition that I'm giving you a break, but, you know, you need to sort yourself out. She's just like, nope. I like, I, I really, again, the similarities with horror. That was just a real, like, stab you know, she reminded me of um, I don't know if you've ever seen the the, the viral clip from the, the girl on Doctor Phil, which is like "Cash me on the outside." How about? Oh that? yeah, 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 yeah. Her 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 cadence of delivery was very much like that, and I just looked her up, and her name's Danielle Brigoli, and I was like, "Oh, where's she from? Boynton Beach, Florida." Oh right, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow, and it's really funny that sort of her her way of talking. Is like, yeah, her mouth's always like a gate when you're talking. Yeah, she doesn't close her mouth. She never close yeah. her mouth. You know, it's, it's that weird. Yeah, there's a very sort of particular Florida mm. rhythm, which is just deeply unpleasant to be honest. I've I've always just thought of Florida as a horrible place. I went to Miami once, right, uh, and that's when you really get a taste for what a sort of weird fake. Yeah. place florida is it's it's awful. it's got like two sides to it i've, well, I've it's, never it's, been i would it, like it's to go. strange that much of coastal america has a reputation for being incredibly cosmopolitan liberal right. bohemian you think of san francisco and mm. la and new york and florida is this weird anomaly anomaly yeah complete exception to that mm. where it's it's swampsville and tourist toting you know magnums mm. and just just a bizarre right-wing paradise. Apparently Hawaii is supposed to be a bit like that as well. Yeah, we had but a friend yeah. who went to Hawaii and was like, you're on the scene, you're like, oh, it's brilliant, and you step a few streets mm. in and suddenly it loses its luster. That's what that's Miami all over, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, it's that's a hole. really interesting. It's a hole. It's a hole. It's a hole with a pretty coast. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, th- you know, those films, those, you know, those kind of one one hit one hit films what what do you think do you kind of would you prefer more films were like that do you think that more people need to see them or do you think that part of their allure is that they're sort of they're quite niche and it's quite a like art house style you know a film to watch what's your kind of opinion on it in general I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the allure. I, I, you know, ideally with these films, you do you do hope that more people see them because it's only through watching things like this that you start you you start to develop an appreciation for the situation. There are a lot of deeply unempathetic people out there, mm. and sometimes they need a situation thrust in their face to go, yeah. "This is this is what's happening. This is what's happening to people out there." Yeah, that's part of the that's part of the film's problem. In that regard is that it is highlighting. People living hand to mouth uh, in in supposedly affluent parts of the world, yeah. but at the same time chooses to have a a deeply unpleasant adult character in the midst of it. And I don't think a person like that is going to change anyone's mind about the what what, what we would call working class. I guess in America, I think they perceive as middle class. I'm not sure. I think there is a class system in the states, but I don't I don't think seeing someone that 
abrasive and and lacking in any redeeming trait apart from she's she's a caring mother mm. because they you know a, a lot of your typical daily mail reader would watch that and go well even though she cares for a child her means of bringing that child up are also completely abhorrent and they're they're going to result in a in a monster child who's exactly like her mother who's who's learned nothing and the cycle begins anew what, what i mean what to, to get sort of right into it, I mean, what what are your feelings on like what she did, what she did to you know to make money for her family? Do you do you? I just saw she was in a a, a place that was devoid of opportunity, mm. and realizing that part of it is down to her pigheadedness. Yeah. Rather than going to a restaurant and trying to get food for free, she could have worked at the restaurant. Yeah. Like the other mother does, mm. who she ends up boxing repeatedly in the face which is a fairly really shocking, harrowing scene, really harrowing it? like yeah. real you know she goes fists not yeah. slaps you know and it's, it's all over her face when you when you see her later on as well but but that that was a really good bit as well because you saw afterwards how hurt she was from the encounter as well that she knew that she'd lost her friend she knew she'd gone too far and she was deeply yeah. deeply regretting it but you know, you know there's some something in her genealogy that went to violence yeah. then as a way of oh, yeah. sh- showing her shame and i really really that bit really interested me because the idea of violence and resorting to violence is something that i uh, totally is not part of my life no um i find myself very passive in in those kind of situations and i've observed violence in others and like any you know adventure game got you can go left and you can go right and you can go you know you can go up towards you know there's no option for me in most situations you know the every situation where violence is is one of those mm-hmm. but what you're seeing here is that, you know that was her only option in in that way of defending herself and you know i thought that was really really interesting to to see sort of brought you know, she was punching this other person, but she was also punching like herself. In I think way. the only time she backs down in the entire film is when Willem Dafoe counts to three and says, "You are out on your ass." Yeah, if you don't leave, and that's the one time that she does it. And even then, she puts a used tampon on the um, uh, a towel, isn't it? A used towel, yeah. Sorry, on the on the glass of the yeah, <laughs> on the glass of the reception. <laughs> Quite a statement. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, she's the kind of person that has to have the last word. And when she runs out of retorts, the fists start flying. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I for one, you know, you know, incredibly liberal in in my views. You know, I do believe that, um, you know, prostitution should be made made legal and regulated. I think that there are, you know, people in the world, you know, being the, you know, oldest profession aside, you know, it is something that happens, you know, it happens like all over the world all the time and it's being regulated by the worst of us. By criminals, yeah. You know, by criminals. And with, you know, it's a transaction that is very, you know, is is in our culture and dna you know like interwoven throughout throughout history and just that like you know recreational kind of drug use and right like like these other parts i just do think that there needs to be just a better conversation around around these things like you know i don't necessarily... i think we're still in western society still very much beholden to you know so-called christian values and mm. there's still a weird you know the supposed separation of church and state but i think a lot of the 
morals and the moral code <laughs> that a lot of right wing politicians etc are driven by are making assumptions on behalf of people who turn to sex work and yeah. things like that and um, not realising that actually if that is a last resort for some people at least they should turn it into a profession where it is fully regulated and that mm. these people have rights um, and that they're you know they're protected to the highest standards because you, you know that if it was then people would turn it into an industry uh, and that and that it would be secure and it would be clean and you you only have to look at places like Amsterdam mm. where it has become part part of the fabric of city life yeah in such a way that it's it's there right in your face mm. but you don't ever have to sort of present yourself with it if you don't want to it's just the thing that happens to happen there and exist there and it's it's obviously exploited by tourists and stag parties and things like that and but but the 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 owner should be that the person whose morals should be questioned are perhaps the person who's paying the prostitute not the prostitute herself yeah absolutely oh i mean amsterdam is a really interesting thing to bring up because i think almost amsterdam it's like almost like passe like it's a part you know as you say it's a section of the city but you can live outside of that section without any issues Mm. but you know it's there and it's something if you actually talk to a dutch person about it it's just like what you know what you're asking me about you know something that's you know relatively mundane or you know the idea of 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 any kind of like shop or service that's what what legalization is legalization normalizes as Mm. well yeah um and, and and obviously there are limits, but in legalizing and normalizing things, as I say, that also means that you're you're regulating and protecting. Mm. And they're they're the most important traits. And so, if, like I say, if people feel like that's what they have to turn to, and that and that's the the, the assumption always with things like prostitution and stripping, etc., is that everyone who participates in it has been driven to that life, and that that's it's a last resort for them because mm. there's nothing else they can do. Whereas I imagine some people turn to it because they might enjoy it. Well, I like just, any profession, I think you're always going to find a pocket of people who actually do it because it's people, they always say, do what you love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, not necessarily do who you love, not do who you love, do, do what you love people for money. Um, I just, it, America is it's such a strange place, isn't it, at the moment? It's like, always been a strange place, frankly. It's just, I think it's been exposed. I think it's been exposed again after simmering for a very long time. It's, yeah. it's a it's a bag of contradictions. The mm. UK isn't far behind. No. We're, 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 we're both... We're getting there. We're both eclipsed by most of mainland Europe, to be yeah. honest, in terms of being level-headed liberal types. But America is just such a weirdly conflicted place, a place that's just appalled and horrified by sex and recreational drug use, less so on that side, I guess, in more states legalizing weed. Mm. Um, but in in thrall to gun makers mm. and those who would support gun makers purely from a financial standpoint, and even with vast amounts of statistical evidence there are still people clinging onto it because a bit of paper written centuries ago says it's their right to do it. Yeah. 
and have no realize what a, you know a nationwide amnesty on guns what that would cause and they always turn to well they're gonna use something they'll they'll mm. use a knife if they don't have a gun yeah yeah it's like yeah, well, yeah how, many, how many people have taken down a school uh, you know 50 yeah. people in a school with a with, with a, a knife. pin knife yeah, yeah nobody well it's um it's funny to think about that this film you know is from 2016 and was obviously made in obama's america mm. which now seems like such a long time ago like idyllic idea of america like what what is this motel like now after you know the trump presidency is there like machine yeah. gun well, turrets it was, it on was the on roof the... and you know bombs going off or something i don't know 2016 feels so long away doesn't it and i think one of the hallmarks of obama's presidency is that he was thwarted at almost every turn by a uh, republican heavy senate who just basically deconstructed his ability to actually affect any Yeah, yeah, so as much as he tried, he just wasn't allowed to. And then we're now under a president who's systematically dismantling every policy that he successfully managed to implement. Yeah. Um, So, you know, his efforts to repair America... And the, and the thing is, America is a place that's so vast that every state may as well be its own country Mm. for the the differences they have... Um, it, it you know it's 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 a it's a thoroughly broken country that is in no no danger of of ever being repaired i don't think and florida project just paints a a fairly bleak picture of just a, a thimble's worth of its population mm. well uh that brings us uh, fantastically to the end of our uh, our discussion on um the florida project um a thumbs up for yes. me a double thumbs up. That's a McCartney. Um, um, I hope you enjoyed it out there also. And um, let, let us know what you think. Um, uh, I can be found on Twitter using um, Alex, Alex, Alex. It's um, ALX three times. It's Alex without the E. And Dan can be found... At Mr. Pointyhead. Yeah. Which I don't use very much at the moment because Twitter's a cesspit. It is, but it's also where you can find out about this podcast and maybe use your own personal be uh, like andy in the shawshank redemption and pour your way through miles of shit to find to find the salvation in at the end of the tunnel (laughs) (laughs) which is finding out about this podcast are you a um a multi-million follower um social media guru would you like to use your power to are you fortnite playing twitch streamer ninja play us in the background of your latest twitch stream suggest us to your 11 year old followers who i think will get a great kick out of (laughs) out of this podcast (laughs) you're talking about um so yes i think we shall um we're swiftly on uh, to a trailer section trailer section trailer um thrash and for this time We're flipping it around. Oh, the tables have been the turned. The tables have been turned. Normally, during this section, I um, play Dan a um, a trailer and ask for his immediate thoughts on it, and you get a little bit of the wee shop music um, <laughs> while I watch it. So, um, three, two, one.
Okay, uh, we're back. Um, thank you very much for that, Dan. Um, you showed me a trailer called Bodied, and it was um, it was very good. Uh, produced by Eminem. Yes. Um, it looked uh, pretty funny. It was. Um, it made me laugh a couple of times, which yeah. is very rare for a trailer. <laughs> um, what made you? What made you? Uh... It's a, it's a film I actually heard about last year. There's mm. a there's an annual film festival called Fantastic Fest. Oh yeah, which is basically a festival devoted to all the sorts of films that I'm interested in, which are always these sort of fringe horrors, yeah. comedies, action films. And this year's lineup, I've already made a note of about seven films I definitely want to see. Great. Uh, but it didn't have distribution last year, so it was shown and everyone went mental about it. Yeah. And then in the last week or so, apparently YouTube have picked it up. Yeah. Because they're now breaking out into cin- cinema. Mm. So this is a this is a YouTube original is how it's, is how it's yeah. p- positioned. Um, and yeah, it's just the story of a very... Uh, innocuous looking ginger white guy yeah. entering the the realm of of battle battle rap yeah um, played by the guy who was I don't know his name but he was in American Vandal recently on Netflix if you saw the first oh, series yes. yeah. sort of a slightly slimy suspect mm. character in that yeah. Um, but yeah fantastic and it's uh, produced by Eminem and apparently the reason the trailer the trailer deliberately I think withholds pretty much all of the the battle rap aspects of the film yeah, because it's just meant to be the absolute highlight of the whole thing. It's just you know with Eminem sort of working behind the scenes mm. on it. Um, I think his fingerprints are all over it, and even though I think his uh, professional output has has suffered, yeah, in, in recent years, his ability to still just put people down is mm. is still. Well, I, I actually thought his the first song of the new album wasn't that bad. It was sort of a response to the Machine Gun. Kelly, that one. Uh, no, it's it's the um, it was taking sort of a mick out of kind of like trap and all sorts of different and and does a bit of it as well. Oh right, like it's really interesting. That 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 song um is is really good, but um it, you know really well put together. So I'm really interested for this one. Thank you, thank you for sharing it. Um, yeah, it it, it had a sort of really strangely reminded me of um the Lonely Island movie as well the um oh what pop star never stop yeah never, never stop stopping or something never which stop, I, actually stopping. i really like i think is um well worth people's time um if they ever get to see it just kind of reminded me of that in, yeah. in that way but yeah yeah i think it's played good. i think it's played generally a little straighter than that is oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure but it just it had that uh that rap sort of element to it that yeah. that, that that guy does quite a lot um, talking talking of uh trailers that i didn't expect to find as funny as the actually turned out mm. to be. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Holmes and Watson yet. No, no, no. Is it looking good? So it's Will Ferrell and John C. Riley playing Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Yeah. It looks fucking stupid, but it's yeah. very much Step Brothers okay. form. Great. In that it's got several jokes in there which are very, very obvious, but amped up in classic Ferrell awesome. style. I'm completely up for that. I really like Step Brothers. It's probably one of my favourite films of the last 10 years <laughs> really really like that there's a really good um article i can't remember where it is but if you can find it it's it's just the people adam mckay and will mm. ferrell and those guys talking about the genesis of the film and, and the making of it and just what a blast it was to yeah. do um it was i think it was in the light of i think it was in the wake of um talladega nights maybe that they right. did it and it was just this idea of they said oh what if what if Will Ferrell and John C. Riley shared a bunk bed? 
and it yeah. was kind of it all stemmed from that yeah, sort yeah. of ridiculous concept and then sharing a room um yeah brilliant it's also uh, got a really um underrated actress that i really like everything that she's in um Catherine hahn um the she plays the wife of the brother the blonde uh, yes in it she's um she's good she pops up quite a lot she's on, this might be a saturday night live um is it adam scott who plays the the brother yes the yeah, perfect yeah, yeah brother yeah another guy i like a lot and um she has an affair with um john c Riley's character oh and, um, yeah finds him just like completely, completely irresistible, irresistible yeah. and uh then goes and, and wheezes into a men's urinal afterwards <laughs> it's like she's so funny i really think that if you watch her any part that she's in i was fine oh really yeah catherine yes yeah, sorry i was it was a classic like trying to put the face the name mm. but yes she's she's tends to be a, a show stealer in a lot of things that she's yeah in. really really like quality actress really like naturally hilarious like she's really good in parks and rec as well if you've ever seen her uh, in no that. i haven't yeah. seen her in that yeah yeah she's she's really really good well she's got that you know that will ferrell-esque looks very normal so is able to play against that yeah, really so well. there's a very sort of belly concealed mm. mania, yeah, to her. Whereas John C. Riley looks kind of ridiculous naturally, <laughs> so you can never get John away. John C. Riley is, is so weird in that most of the things you saw him in first were quite dramatic roles, a perfect storm. Yeah, and then you see him in things like Walk Hard, and yeah. my per- my personal favourite is Doctor Steve Brule, like my absolute favourite right. John C. Riley comic creation. Yeah, this just grotesque yet tragic and hilarious. He used to be, he was a, a bit part character in Tim and Eric, awesome show, great right, job. Right. And then they made a spin-off show called Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brawl. And if you've never watched it. No, I haven't. There's like three series of it. It's fucking brilliant. Okay, excellent. That's good. He's right incredible. He, he, I just, I think John C. Riley is just a, a, an incredible comic talent. Yeah, completely. He's been there. And again, he's what, you, I think we talked about him before. He's one of those people that's the only people that have been in a number of Oscar nominated films. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's always there, like the gangs of New York and yeah. all those kind of things. He's always been around, and again, really, really class actor. Um, so so yeah, that's it. Bodied and bodied the, and, and on, you know the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, Holmes and Watson, silly, and, silly fun. Um, great. Um, so we're going to move on to our recommendations. Oh yes. section. Uh, do you have anything uh, prepared for your recommendation section? I, I do. Yes. Thanks for asking. Please. Continue. Uh, once again, I'm cheating a little bit, um, but I've been oh, gr- such a cheat. gripped by a series the last. My wife and I've been gripped by a series the last week, um, and I'm going to I'm going to suggest that you acquire it by any means necessary, uh, because this this show is is a criminal is a victim of brand exclusivity. Right. There's uh, AMC, the network, What Brought You, The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, um, have recently launched a UK channel, which I understand is almost trapped behind BT TV. Oh, really? We don't have BT TV. Mm. We might be on Sky as well, but I don't have either. Right. Um, There's a show called The Terror, which is executive produced by one Ridley Scott. And it's about the ill-fated Franklin uh, expedition to find a passage through the Arctic. Oh, wow. Um, Two ships, the Terror and the Erebus, um, basically attempted to travel through the Arctic and find a passage that would allow a quick passage to China. Right. uh, Got frozen in, uh, and then they disappeared. And they weren't found for 
years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. They, they found like mummified remains, and they they spoke to uh, Inuits in the area who'd apparently seen them and had told right. tales of what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, all manner of things abound, as you you can imagine, from a lot of people trapped in the Arctic mm. for any period of time. The the terror is. I've heard it's supposed to be the first of an anthology series. So right. a series of, I, I think they're calling it some like speculative history. So mm-hmm. this idea of what, what might have been. Mm-hmm. And so what that actually means is it takes a huge number of um, creative liberties with the story. Uh, it's based on a novel, uh, introduces various, uh, not, not overt, but there are kind of, horror and supernatural elements mm. to the, the tale as well but it is largely a very human story of um of human endeavor which is um just increasingly bleak and tragic and terrible um and just replete with fucking incredible award-worthy performances nice. from, a, from a, a raft of brilliant british um, Tobias Menzies and Kieran Hines and lo- just loads of loads of people you've probably seen as, as yeah, supporting yeah, yeah. characters yeah. In, in Game of Thrones and things like that. Um, and one of the best comments I read um, on uh, on the AV Club, who the, the AV Club site, which I, I I I do like a lot. One because it attracts a different class of comment mm. commenter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason I watched it was because I read about it and it was the only show I've ever seen where they've consistently rated every episode A. Yeah. They just gave every episode across the board A and was like, this has got to be fucking yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the comments said, like, the dialogue in this is how Westworld thinks it sounds. <laughs> Excellent. Westworld always attempts to be, like, really profound. And, you know, I I've, I do find that's the, the school of, of, of Jonathan Nolan. Controversial, I know, but... You know, trying to be trying to be a bit cleverer than you actually are, right, right, or or being clever in a, in the, or trying to be clever or trying to over intellectualize what's actually quite schlocky content. Um, whereas this is this is the fucking real deal. Um, and even if you're an English speaker, I would still suggest watching it with subtitles because mm. uh, there's a lot of thick accents and there's a lot of ambient sound and mumbling and but there's a lot of beautifully written dialogue in there and um, it's a it's a it's a slow burn. But it, it's an absolutely unforgettable climax. So, by by hook or by crook, watch the terror. Watch the terror. Well, um, I'd like to do a required reading first oh. and rejuvenate a recommendation you made. Oh, for Killing Eve. Oh, you have now seen it. Um, I've now completed. Seeing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I do get round to your recommendations eventually. Um, and Vic also reminded me as well. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the best sort of British dramas I think I've seen. I think I've seen. Like, it's really, <laughs> really good. And the performances, you know, it obviously has Sandra O oh in it. Doesn't do anything for me. I didn't watch the show that she was in. But Grey's Anatomy and all that. You obviously get that she's supposed to be the big deal of the show. I've only ever seen but, her in Sideways. Oh right, no, I haven't. I haven't even seen that film. That's that, that's definitely on the list. Um, the girl, the main girl, Jodie Comer, is that her name? I think so. Yeah, something. Like she is fucking brilliant. Like she is compelling and physical and scary and nuanced. People know um, her from Doctor Foster if they ever watched that, where she was she was the bit on the side in that. And Hollyoaks, apparently. Uh, really? Which uh, yeah. I didn't know, but you know, but. 
I was completely blown away by her. You could have done away with almost any other character, and they were they were good characters. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like the guy that's in um, that's in the thick of it. Yes, yes. The other guy, you know, he's a great great character actor, um, and some of the other people were good too. But her, whenever she was on screen, I just my heart, I just like kind of stopped breathing for a bit <laughs> just to see what she was gonna do, and just she's so just mental isn't she just like delightfully crazy not since breaking bad have i been able to watch and not be able to second guess what's coming up (laughs) and like sometimes when she is she's explaining her i don't want to make a recommendation and then spoil it she is has these particular situations so the story is about a um a british um counter surveillance team uh, basically suspect that there is a, a hit lady, hit man uh, going around the world killing these people and there's one woman who's the sort of main character thinks it's all one person but we know we know that it is because we're following her simultaneously mm-hmm. there's a great introductory scene with her smiling at a kid with um you know who's eating an ice cream it's in the trailer so not spoiling anything and she just smiles really sweetly at him and then just tips it over then over them as she walks by um it just is it really honestly blew me away um it's phoebe waller Bridge, Bridge wrote, who, it. Uh, wrote it um, and uh, you've talked about her before yes. she's uh, from Solo and, uh, Fleabag. and a Fleabag which I, is my next is my thing I'm going to try and find next but um, yeah I've got to say I don't know I, I, I'm here to admit I'm going to out myself right now I am not a big drama like series guy yeah, yeah. I don't the stuff like the bodyguard and those other kinds they just completely leave me cold it just looks like it was rubbish don't worry people in gray suits talking to each other in a gray room and it just doesn't really do very much doesn't really do very much that for said me. do watch line of duty well yeah so again it didn't it just didn't grab me i'm sure it is good it does I, you know i'm sure it is yeah okay cool okay cool i'm i'm <laughs> i'm i'm admitting that i'm wrong on this i'm not saying that i'm right yeah, yeah, yeah. but just there's something about it that doesn't get its hooks in me but episode one i, I totally had its hooks in me by virtue of this of this girl and uh thank you very much for right. the for the recommendation i um it's funny actually. I think it's I think it's grabbed a lot of people because it's been advertised heavily. Hmm. And I was on the train the other day, and there were literally three people around me all watching it on their on their phones. And can I please say this? If you are involved in television or involved in production or involved in anything of the sort, take note of the music in this. The music choices in this. You don't have to use fucking oasis for anything you know rowdy or you don't have to use you know it's just gold frap for some electronic (laughs) you know there are other there's music out there being made by the most incredible people right now and you can if you just spend a bit of time it's obviously the the coordinator for the series really spent a long time getting the music right and it is almost every it's one of the only things that's made me want to get a spotify playlist of the of the whole show which is i am can be a real elitist prick with music you know and this is one where i just as 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 a holistically how each song affected each episode um i thought was done really well mm-hmm. and obviously you know my my um 
I you know love music. I write the music for this show, if the start the start and end slate. Um, uh, you um, if you've ever enjoyed them, that is, um, I'm very happy to to uh, to do them, and I really I really like sort of putting music out there. And I think that if you've got the opportunity to put music to a, a show or something like just go all out there and you know have some needle drops and yeah. and if you if you're not able to do it yourself like find somebody that is that does know about those things it it just really helped really helped me get into the um you know um get into the film um there's um richard linklater no uh, zemeckis sorry yes um is notoriously bad for music like using music sometimes there's a part in flight where um there's a, a heroin addict crawling up the stairs and like under the bridge is playing oh, <laughs> at the same God. time you know that really like heavy handed or yeah. um uh don't fear the reaper or, or mary jane or something for a <laughs> for a, a drug addict yeah, on the yeah, floor. Yeah, like, yeah. he's done he's committed so many crimes and as much as i love i love him um and his his early work obviously um it is. It really goes so far for me when someone's taken time to uh, to to properly research and put good. Music yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I was trying to think the longest time. I was trying to think of a, another show I saw recently where they they did that as well, like really exquisite and really mm. well thought out music. I just can't fucking remember it. If yeah. I remember it, I'll I'll put it on a post along with the show's thing. But yeah, there are other shows out there which have just got absolutely class music choices. But you're right about this. It's just perfect really really well done and and um yeah very very, very recommend it's on iplayer and um so a little bit against the rules we both it's, have it's, so if, much to choose from if anything it's on vod and iplayer is free to everyone who has a, yeah. pays a tv license so more likely that there's people on here that have that than netflix and amazon so killing eve and um excellent and so Right, what we're going to try and do to get back in your good graces, regular listeners to the podcast, is try and turn around an episode very quickly. Yes. So we have already decided what that film will be. Dan has chosen the film. What is it? I've forgotten. You've forgotten what film you chose. What was it? Uh, Gerald's Game. Oh, well, I was going to change my mind. Oh, Rewind. I was going to change my mind, and I I really want it to be Hold the Dark now. Okay, so because sometimes we do have the slightly more zeitgeisty ones, we do. And I thought in in the face of what has been a string of very disappointing Netflix original films, yeah. As a big fan of James Solnier, and with the connection of Macon Blair appearing in the Florida yeah. Project, I thought let's do Hold the Dark. Okay, great. That's let's great. Do Hold the Dark yeah, yeah. Let's instead. do Hold the Dark because it's new and it's meant to be quite good. Um, and I also want to leave enough time for us to do that, and then I want to do Apostle in a few weeks as well. Okay, well, fantastic. Do you know about Apostle? I don't know about Apostle. So Apostle is the guy, Gareth Evans, who directed The Raid. Oh, yeah, great. He's got a period horror film with Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey and Legion. Oh, I do know what uh, Which has got real Wicker Man vibes to it, and that's also Netflix exclusive. Wow, I mean... There's some corkers coming. If this isn't uh, sizzling your bacon, I don't know what will. (laughs) Um... And uh, with that, we are going to say bye-bye. Farewell. Um, thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it, um, 
yeah, as I say, Dan uh, Dan alluded to it earlier. We kind of can be quite busy sometimes, but I really enjoy uh, doing doing this and uh, hearing like sit downs, don't we? Hearing your feedback and telling us what you think and uh, getting involved and uh, giving us your reviews and uh, yeah, thank you. Feeling the love, try and feel the love. I'm giving you love. Through, uh, through, uh, feel the love waves. An electric file that you downloaded off the internet. Um, so bye bye now everybody bye bye